Time now for the first hour of the Doctor and Mrs. Future Show. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Ladies and gentlemen, KSCO presents the Dr. Future Show. If you would like to join in our show today, you can call us at 831-479-1080. That's 831-479-1080. And now, your host, Dr. Future. Hey, folks, welcome to the show. Welcome, Mrs. Future. Here we are. Yeah. And Bobby in San Francisco. Yes, I'm here. All right. You sound great, Bobby. Oh, great. Yeah. This is a different method I'm connecting you guys with. Anyway, it works. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, good, because I wanted to ask you a very important question besides the weather, which I assume is uh, sunny today. It is. All right. All right. Yeah, Yeah. we too. You know, that's fantastic. Okay. Did you feel the earthquake last night? No. I didn't. Did you um, get awoken by uh, a message on your phone? No, I didn't. I shut off all my phones at night when I go to sleep. Oh, you shut them off. Oh, that's really helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Earthquake detection. Not. Did you you get an alert on your phone? I did. Uh, I did. You did? We were in bed at 2.30 or so. Mm -hmm. We got this warning said something you know, equivalent of uh, duck and cover you know mm. whether they have a wow. new saying the squat uh, yeah it really was yeah. i don't remember <laughs> the exact <laughs> words but it so was really three like things. there's been a huge earthquake <laughs> go stand under a door yes you know? and I, so i got up put on my bathroom <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is future just stayed in bed uh yeah, trusting well, I in me we to, were pretty help. safe yeah the bed's pretty safe <laughs> which reminds me we have a story about an earthquake proof bed today <laughs> you know, we'll get into that. We've got a few since we're at yeah, that, earthquakes that, once again. But hey, yeah. you know, better than tornadoes, I say. Yeah. Uh, wow. 6.4 quake, Northern California, way further north than you. So I'm not surprised yeah. you didn't feel it. You know, it's a Humboldt County. Right. Tweeted that the reports of originally widespread damage to roads and homes. But further investigation revealed that the damage was a lot less than what might be expected from the size of the trembler. Isn't that amazing? That's one of the biggest ones around here in a while. Yeah, it was like 7.1 here when the big one hit. Mm -hmm. Uh, They said at least two people died, 11 others have been hurt. And uh, cut off power, though, to 70,000. Somehow the power systems got interrupted. Yeah, apparently the bridge, there's a bridge up there, is it the Ferndale Bridge, is cracked in four places. Mm Mm-hmm. So they've closed the bridge. That's going to affect people's commute, I guess. The region is one of our more lightly populated parts of the state. That's also a redwood forest up there. And yeah. uh, there's a, a port and a state university. Yes, yeah, saw Mendocino County. Yeah. And lots of marijuana. Yeah, that's true. I was just up there through Thanksgiving. You know, yeah. So we drove through Garverville, Fortuna, Eureka, Trinidad to the Klamath River to Crescent City and then went across yeah the redwoods are unbelievable it's a beautiful part of the state for sure yeah so is this the base of the Cascadia fault is this the beginning of the Cascadia fault it looks like it's right on the coast so whatever that is I'm gonna have to look up the details to see which fault is up in that arena but it wasn't one that we felt down here 
Yeah, it probably wasn't the San Andreas fault. Yeah, or, even though we had the warning yeah. and we figured that the wave was coming and we were listening for it, all we got was a little, maybe a little flutter. It's nothing observable. We would certainly yeah. not have known had we not been woken up by the phone. So we can't really tell even if we got the warning before the earthquake or not. I'm trying to find the alert on the phone and it's not easily accessible at this point in time mm. from what I can see. You had your phone off, but did you store a, a notifications on your phone? No, I didn't. In fact, I don't think I had the app on. So <laughs> I, 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 I signed up for the app. Mr. But it's on my, uh, here. Were you a Boy Scout? It, it, no. I was a Boy you Scout. You were. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I still am. <laughs> so, right, well, you know, I'd say our early warning system still has a lot to be desired. But yeah. at least at I, least they're working on it. I heard they had 10 seconds advance notice. Well, that's what I'm wondering, because we didn't feel it. We couldn't tell. I was looking forward to actually a little bit, looking forward to feeling it to see standing under the door, expecting the house to shake. And, you know, after five minutes, I thought either we've got a really good system or it's not working at all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So anyway, 72,000 people lost power and there was a few houses that were damaged. The area is called the Mendocino Triple Junction. It's three tectonic plates meet. Ah. Yeah. Wow. It's an exciting part of the coast, geologically. Right. Oh, one article mentions that there were 270,000 people in the state received notifications early Tuesday. Hmm. Okay. So I must have been one of the 270,000. Wow. Hmm. Did yours ring, Mrs. Future? No. But I have my notifications, notifications off. turned off at <laughs> right. night. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that is an issue. Yeah. In terms of getting the word through to everyone at once. It doesn't look like there's an easy way to do that if you can turn off the emergency notifications. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was fun. Wow. You know, it's fun not happening and being prepared. Yeah. It was kind of interesting for me because I've been uh, listening to an audible book called The Coddling of the American Mind. And it's all about the sociological trends that have turned out a generation of people who over-exaggerate the fear and the circumstances almost to the point of being false. And so I had gone to bed thinking about all these dynamics and then we get this earthquake warning that no earthquake to follow. (laughs) So it was... Little synchronicity there. Well, the uh, false positives, the boy who cried wolf. <laughs> that whole story. That's okay. true. Emergencies are only uh, warnings are only as good as how accurate they are. Yeah. And speaking of that, we are working on some new approaches to detect earthquakes. I wanted to mention one uh, that involves earthquake detection from orbit. So stay tuned. Right after the break. Doctor, Mrs. Future, and Bobby Wilder. We'll all be right back. Okay, welcome back to the show with uh, Bobby Wilder, Mr. and Mrs. Future. Some people call it Mr. and Dr. Future. Others call us Dr. and Mrs. Future. 
And some would say Dr. Future and Master. <laughs> master, <laughs> master, master, master Future? future yeah. That's yes. a new but, one. Who's Master Future? That would be you. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, mm. that's uh, I would not really call myself that. I'm certainly just taking my best shot, but yeah. Master is a far cry. Oh, uh, yes. Very humble. Very humble woman. Mm-hmm. Yes. She is a master of many things, yes. yes. Well, I'm a mystery fan. I'm here for the mystery to unfold. <laughs> so maybe that would be it. It's true. Mystery you bring in the mysterious element. Well, I'm sure that of these stories, you'll find the mystery in them. I will. All right, a couple more things since we're on the earthquake theme. Mm-hmm. I was kind of curious to see about this early detection system that our state is experimenting with. Mm-hmm. And I found that there's some new research that probably hasn't been incorporated into the state system yet involving an earthquake detection from orbit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Now, that is probably not an early detection system. Yeah, it is. It? It's early, yeah. I mean, remember, when you're in orbit and you're looking down on the land, our sensors are sensitive enough to pick up the motion of the earthquakes. And also, if you believe what they're saying here, the uh, ground displacement before the earthquake even starts to happen. So early signs, you can pick up early signs of ground displacement. And the idea is that if like, for example, if you can see for hundreds of square miles and look at ground displacement over that whole area from one location, then you can take a lot of that information and predict the direction and motion of the earthquake by seeing a larger area in which you're collecting information from in real time. Now, the sensors on the ground are located in various areas that we know there is activity, and it forms a a network. And that's good. That's really great to have a ground-based system as well. But the space measurements from the GPS satellites, the GNSS, the Global Navigation Satellite Systems, complement the seismometer observations from the ground they can differentiate between the largest quakes from the smaller ones. They can tell how large they are as they are happening. But the problem is from space, the noise is much higher. They have a noisier signal than the ground stations. Oh, than the usual seismometers that are buried to detect the quakes. So you have to tease out the noise, if you will. And there are now algorithms to do that. Uh, Yeah, a little AI goes a long way for getting rid of noise and data. That's right. Get rid of the noise, shall you? As a matter of fact, I have a, a demonstration of something from Adobe later. Oh, uh, you do? I do. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Along those lines. Thanks, Bobby, Oh, an AI, yeah. you mean? Yeah, it yeah. takes a really crappy signal, a voice signal. We'll, we'll, we'll play it for you, and you can hear it cleaned up by the algorithm. It takes like somebody like, with a microphone standing in a busy intersection at uh, 41st and Capitola, make a recording, and then make it sound like you're in the studio. Oh, boy. So if it can do that to voice, imagine what it can do to satellite detection of earthquakes. Yeah, exactly. Clean it up, man. Clean it up. Hmm. I use that for cleaning up some of my photos. Like a great one on the iPhone is the sharpen function in your phone for your pictures. You know, a little blurry, you know, sharpen it a little bit. That's amazing. I'm really happy with that algorithm. You know what's interesting? I was just thinking, you have all these Starlink dishes, right? Yeah. And they have some of the most complex circuitry to get those to direct them to follow these satellites. But if they, Starlink could actually figure out the time delay between different dishes to the satellite, 
and if it's a grouping of satellites and there's a, a different time, they could actually detect like a Doppler effect whether the Earth is moving up or down or closer to the satellite. They might be able to detect these movements on a vast scale. You know, on a planetary I mean, the, the, scale. Yeah, the, the, I'm uh -huh. just putting that out there, I think. Uh, Another way because, of measuring from space. Yeah, that's interesting, right. Bobby. Yeah. Because that's what this GPS, Global Navigation System, is doing, right? So they're trying to pick up and they're trying to calculate some movement from those, right? How do they... Yeah, I, I'm wondering. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah we need to look in more in detail about how you're able to use high-precision instruments from space to analyze earthquakes and really yeah. reduce the noise. Mm. Um, there's a major scientific article I have reference to on our links page, drfutureshow.com slash links, from the Journal of Geophysical Research, where they look at how to enhance the sensors in earthquake detection. And, and look for possible future refinement, which might include the idea that you were talking about with the, mm. the, the Starlink network. Yes, yeah, uh, so it's ground the main thing. It's more data. You know, extensive data sets will train and validate the model. So, yeah. Miss Future, you were saying? Oh well, I'm just saying that the current technology that they're using from the satellites measures ground displacement. Right. Right. Now, How I'm, do you measure ground displacement from space? Right. And I imagine that it's a visual measurement. That what Looking at pixel is, motion. Yeah, is mapping related. Mm -hmm. And then they take the data from that and then they add a machine learning algorithm and that changes the information so that it's trained to use their GNS sensor data to detect earthquakes and they validate it with a model using data from the National Science Foundation. So. <laughs> yeah, they validate it, and they yeah, but still it's our the, model. the secret sauce of how it exactly works. They're not going to tell you it's just yet. Right. You, know, you have to get into the meat of the but issue. But the data that they're comparing it with is an archive of seventy-seven yeah. earthquakes that were greater than the magnitude of four point five that occurred so yeah, over twenty years. Yeah, they trained it on past data, yeah. which was good. So which is good. That's part of the. This little deal. model is more accurate than just the seismology, the seismic. That's data exactly model. right, Mrs. Future. They. Combine the two data sets to create something even better. Yeah. And that's it. So anyway, I wanted to mention that. But I also wanted to mention before the end of this earthquake segment about something that might even be more relevant to our listeners as they hear this. And that is an earthquake-proof bed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were in bed this when this no happened. <laughs> you know? And it's so just funny. I did find there actually are a couple of products along those lines that are out there. Like at boingboing.net. They talk about, they have a video that demonstrates an earthquake bed, they call it. And the bed has sensors that detect tremors, and they activate the bed to drop into a metal chamber. Like it, open, it folds down, and boom, the bed drops down, and then the metal chamber closes behind it, behind you. Mm. So you're basically in this metal box, <laughs> and you're inside. Uh, and, I, I played yeah. the video. It's... Oh, you got to see it. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Would you do it? Would you get uh, one of does these? Does it feel probably? safe? Uh, yeah. What do you well, think? Well, I, 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 I think if it was triggered, yeah. I think that would give you a heart attack. <laughs> so I think, <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> because it, you dropped, you know, you're sitting on this bed. It's not a very large bed. It you survived like, the earthquake, but not the bed drop. <laughs> but it's it's like a casket. It's a well, steel casket. That's fault. it. If you're at all claustrophobic. 
And yeah. If your bed thinks you had an earthquake and <laughs> it dropped you into it, you wake up and you thought it wasn't a nightmare. You might have a heart yeah. attack. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's scary stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, the mattress falls into the box and a lid closes mm. over the box. And you have your survival supplies readily available in your box. And you have air vents that would be for oxygen. And I was right. thinking if you're in a pile of rubble, you'd want yeah. to, to put out some kind of signal for people to find you. Right, too, yeah. Right? yeah. And maybe have a radio. This would be good in a high-rise building that could collapse in an earthquake. Then it would encapsulate you so that rescue teams could find you later. Yeah. But if you're in a regular house, I think you could just run out the door. <laughs> it's probably the safest thing. Well, they say it's supposed to stay in, in the door frame. Right? That's supposed yeah. to be a more very reinforced there yeah but if but, you don't want to be in a convertible coffin i wouldn't recommend this <laughs> but yeah, it does not sound to me like a good place but to hang hey, out after it, an earthquake under certain earthquakes <laughs> it could make a difference it might just it might be just what you need chances are probably not and imagine it depends on how expensive they make them I have to yeah. say that the design of this bed reminds me of Cloud Atlas and the prison cell that our heroine was in. The future Sunni, I guess was her name, or Sumi. Yeah. And the one who says, truth is singular. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> anyway, this looks like her cell. It's got padded walls and sort of looks metallic on the outside. Yeah. I mean, if the cell isn't earthquake proof already, I don't know how this bed is going to help you. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. But it's a, it's a funny idea. To drop down. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe there's a kinder, gentler way to do it. Could be. Mm. Like Could maybe be. a canopy over something over the top of you. Right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we've got more earthquake news yeah. coming yeah. up. Well, if you drop break. down and you're trapped in rubble, it could be your coffin, too. So. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Well, they're suggesting you keep some supplies in there, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Might be there for a while. I, I don't oh, know. Goodness. All right, on to other topics after the break. Like a Mars quake. Got something about that Mars quake. Hey, folks, welcome back to the show. Did you know that we have probably about a million seismographs, if not more, on Earth? I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. didn't know yeah. anybody was That's counting. Yeah, we're measuring it all over the place. Many ways. <laughs> Do you know how many we have on Mars? Mm, at least one. One. That's a good guess. <laughs> Sadly, it just died. Oh, oh no. Just, uh, yeah. Really? But it, it outlived its... Data is yeah. going to end... It ended, but before it ended, last May, it picked up a mega Mars quake, five times stronger than anything ever on record. I think we mentioned it last week, mm -hmm, we right? This was its big finding. It was larger than anything that had ever been recorded on the planet. It was a 4.7, and the mm -hmm. largest before that was a 4.2, which is five times less powerful, given the nature of the Richter scale, mm. right? Mm. Mars is all shook up. <laughs> yeah. When a Mars quake happened, the aftershocks usually subsided within an hour. But in this last finding of our InSight lander, it lasted 10 hours. The aftershocks were 10 hours. Jeez. Hmm. Yeah. Some serious avalanching going on. <laughs> 
It was the cumulative energy of all the other Mars quakes we've seen since the lander went there, which was like 2017. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And our InSight lander was able to record the whole thing. That's right. And gave us a little idea that there was seismic activity on Mars and that it was really very small compared to the amount that we have on this planet, except for this last one, (laughs) which Hmm. then came from a very different part of Mars also. So they're analyzing all this information. What does it really tell us? It tells us uh, that we should keep measuring the earthquakes and probably should send another one. And it also is telling us that we should put some windshield wipers on our solar panels. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah, at least some dust yeah. off, right? Dust off, yeah. It was, the <laughs> yes. reason why it died is not because of the electronics, but because of the energy going into the batteries. There's too much dust on the panels, bottom line. Mm-hmm. And that problem would not exist if we had a solution to that. Some people say the solution is having a, a little nuke on board. And that's true. A lot of the, the NASA I units. I don't think a nuke on board is going to keep, keep those going. solar panels clean, Al. <laughs> I don't think it's yeah. that kind of yeah. nuke. You're right, Mrs. Future. <laughs> it, it just wouldn't work. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, but the Curiosity still going 10 years later because it had a nuke. All those uh, ships are happy. Well, However, the InSight lander didn't move around, right? It's, a, it's been in the same location the whole time. Yeah, that's yeah. not a rover. <laughs> right, right. It can just, just furl out its, uh, its uh, solar panels and hopefully get enough to go. And it did. It had enough to go until now. And maybe if there's a big windstorm that comes along and cleans them off. That's what we're hoping. Mm-hmm. That giant Mars quake is what we really discovered there. And that that happened just with a short period of time left in its last final breaths of sunlight <laughs> over this year very interesting so <laughs> mars lander was getting ready to say goodbye and there was one last yeah. giant hey, quake the largest quake mm-hmm. ever measured and poof that's and the coming last from thing. a different part of the planet you know it, it does suggest many things one of which is that there's active seismology on mars and that this seismology might actually be create liquid water in certain areas. Sure. And that, if that volcanism. Exists, then sure. You there can could warm be, up the lakes from underneath because they're frozen from above. <laughs> and we have water plus heat plus some light equals life. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, a definite some maybe. Microbes. On that. Certainly worth checking out. Pond so scum. There. And it would be very interesting if we found something because then we could compare it to our DNA and such and see if there's any connection. Any Martians among us? Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of people believe Mars had life first, even in mainstream science. Like four billion years ago, uh, Mars was a water planet. Well, we were like a hell world, Hadean volcanism everywhere. Mm. Um, yeah. But there, it was like here. <laughs> so so I guess we won the race then, huh? We started later, but it's like the turtle and the hare. Right? Well, our <laughs> life started seeded from, from here to there somehow, either intentionally or through accident. Then there are accident modalities where asteroid strikes can move material from one planet to another. Like we right. found Mars material at the Antarctic here, for example, from previous asteroid strikes. Mm-hmm. So such uh, transfer between planets can happen quite serendipitously. Space is a yeah. dangerous place. No higher intelligence required. <laughs> <laughs> Just some bombardments. Yeah, some bombardments, yes. right. right. Form of panspermia, I suppose you might say. Mm. So we have a caller, Mrs. Future? Yes, we do. All right. We have Firefall from Monterey. Firefall! Oh, how you doing? Firefall. Hi, I'm, 
Yeah, yeah. Three times saying the name is a charm. Maybe I can get a musical request out of you. But first, <laughs> but about first. the earthquake alert. Yes, what do you think? Now, what, yes. what, what everybody is alerted about, what yeah. everyone in the world, without exception, yeah. is that everybody wants to know what Walter Matthau said in the movie Earthquake in 1974 when he was in that cameo role. Everybody's been wanting to know, but nobody could find out what he was saying. He mumbled something? Yeah, Walter Matthau had a cameo in the movie Earthquake. Okay. And he said and something about the I Earthquake? I assume you've Googled this already, Firefall? Yeah. You cannot figure out what he's saying, and nobody knows. He, all, all I know is he had a cameo. Walter Matthau was wearing a funny-looking suit in a bar. The Earthquake breaks out in L.A. Yeah. George Kennedy is punching it out with some big pool-playing ball guy. He was a pool player, and everybody's drunk. And, and Walter Matthau is sitting there at a table completely oblivious. The entire bar is rocking, and everything is falling down around him. He's just drunk. He's, he's totally plastered. He's just drinking his drink, teetering around back and forth in the earthquake, just kept muttering the same thing. And I, don't, I cannot figure out what it is he's saying. Mm. <laughs> I, I wish somebody well, knew. But that's, well, the, so, that's the mystery right. of the ages well, that everybody you wants to put it out solved. to the group mind. We'll see what comes in. Uh, yeah, when, okay. when, you're on a, when you're an extra on a movie set, sometimes they tell you to say rutabaker, rutabaker, rutabaker. <laughs> I always say rutabagas. I always say rutabagas. Every time I think something is just complete hogwash, I just go rutabagas. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. Okay, one last thing. How many shows do you have left? Just one. Okay. Then I was just going to ask if you could, because because KSEO is, you know, whatever, and I don't know if you guys really like hearing people whine and, and wallow in self-pity. You seem like the kind of folks that don't really like that kind of thing. I really wish that going out, you would play Firefall 1978, Strange Way. I've been wanting that song to be heard. Firefall, Strange Way, huh? Well, we have to ask our sound guys to find it because we only right. have a limited palette here. Alrighty. Cool. All right, Strange okay. Way. Ticket out, Firefall. Thank you. Okay. All right, good to yeah. hear from you. All right, the producer of Earthquake, Jennings Lang, offered a cameo role to his friend, Walter Matthau. Matthau accepted without compensation on the condition that he be billed under the name Walter Matthau Shinkaskikaski. The last name being a long-standing inside joke that had used <laughs> for decades. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and he was supposed to play a drunk who sits at the end of the bar, and that was expanded by the writer. He gave him some character lines of dialogue involving toast to celebrities. <laughs> so oh, that's, uh, that's doing what... Doing celebrity uh, toast, huh? He was doing a toast to a celebrity. All right. Yeah. Rutabaga, yeah. bottoms up. Right. So that's close. It doesn't say exactly what that toast was. Uh, uh-huh. this one says that was it. Bottoms uh, up, Jack Benny. Mathau Chinkau Kekoski. Some think, it's a rumor and probably false, that it was Mathau's real last name. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, maybe that's what he was saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, do we have any more space news? Yeah, three more things. There was a, a planet that was spiraling into its sun, spiraling in, and our astronomers were looking at that. 
And they're wondering, well, okay, what happens when a planet crash lands on its sun? <laughs> yeah, well, uh -huh. they're just wondering about it because it's still millions of years away. But apparently it's such a an interesting setup because the planet that they're looking at has It's like a, a Jupiter-sized planet, but it's as oh, close big. to its sun, if not closer, than Mercury is to ours. Yeah. And it has you imagine Jupiter right up where Mercury is. And its orbit around its sun is three days. Instead of This planet that's bigger than Jupiter is going around its star. Three days around the entire star. Every three that's days. whipping around at yeah. high speed. Yeah, inexorably drawing closer right. and closer. So it's losing a little bit of its orbit, some millimeters. Well, look at this. It's so close. It's an eighth of the distance between our sun and Mercury, which is the closest planet. Mm -hmm. And it's losing ground regularly. They can measure it every month or so. It's losing a few millimeters. <laughs> Three days to do an orbit, and yeah. it's getting shorter every year by 131 milliseconds. So anyway, it's just fascinating to think about... A planet that's bigger than Jupiter. Kepler 1658b. Yeah. We're calling it a hot Jupiter. Death by star, man. That's right. And, of Death course, what's star. supposed to happen is that this star has entered its own near-death stage of life, which means it's turning into a giant. Red right? giant. A red giant. Yeah. In five billion years or so, our sun will evolve into a red giant star. I don't think we'll get sucked into the sun. I think more like we'll supernova, and the sun will go and expand out and talk about earthquakes take all the planets with it right yeah we'll just be a chip off the old block <laughs> a shadow of our former self yeah there's a certain time period to this that we don't have to worry about it in that case even being a multi-planetary species as elon musk likes to say would not help us it would be a little too late we'd have to be at least on the star trek type one type two civilizations where we can get away from our star system in the event of uh, such a cataclysm. We have a lot of time to evolve to that. We'll have time to evolve during the commercial break here. Yeah. All right, see you in a minute. So the last story was about the astronomers watching the planet drop into its sun. And that's a certain kind of astrological development that's somewhat interesting to observe. But what's more interesting to most of us is if we can find another planet that's like Earth, and then we could go there. That's true. Right? I mean, and if you really take the long view, that is our destiny. Yeah. Because if it takes 10,000 years to get to a star, and we've got billions of years before our sun is supernova, we should be able to populate lots of planets between Especially here and the Especially as we galaxy. figure out quantum teleportation and uh, the strange quantum ability to travel through the universe. That, uh, um, now, once you know, there are mystics who will tell you we've already figured that out. Some people perhaps have. Those right? of us who are just really committed to our 3D body and, and this timeline are just oblivious to the faster-than-light travel and manifestation options that are available I think we're still fairly larval when it comes to <laughs> understanding those aspects of universe. Sure. But we will graduate one day from being larvals into becoming true spacers. 
<laughs> and knowing the universe is our home rather than the larval planet as being the center of everything yeah. as it is now. But meanwhile, we have, from our little spot in the universe, spotted a couple of habitable worlds around a star in the Goldilocks zone, very close to us. Yeah. There's a sweet spot of being not too hot, not too cold to support life. When a planet is in that zone and it's orbiting at a distance that will keep water liquid, then there's a chance we might see life. Okay, and very much like we have two worlds orbiting our star, Venus and Earth, that are very much alike. And this planet zone, this habitable zone, has two planets orbiting their star. G, J, one, zero, zero, two. GJ1002, a red dwarf star, about one-eighth the size of our sun. Mm-hmm. One-eighth right. the size. It's a cool, faint star. So that means that its liquid water habitability zone is much closer to the star than we are. Mm, right. So, so if it's one-eighth the size, it would probably be eight times closer, or, or approximately, if I were to guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the star would be possibly more prevalent in the sky. But if it's much smaller, then maybe not. Maybe it'll look the same, even though it's a lot closer. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there's two planets in that solar system that looks like they could support liquid water. They've been ticking off all the boxes so far of what we're interested in, in terms of having another Earth somewhere. Uh, and it's only 16 light years away. 16 light years. It's oh close. Boy. Mm. Better speed it's up. 16, We're yeah. not moving that fast. It's close where we are in the universe, folks. 16 light years is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> what is I the mean, universe? Uh, 100,000 light years across? I mean, it's uh, close. Yeah. Which part of the yeah. universe are you yeah, talking right. about? Yeah, right. The galaxy. The galaxy, excuse yeah. me. The galaxy. Yeah. The, uh, our galaxy yeah. is only 100,000. I mean, the universe is far beyond that, of course, but... 100,000 light years across, and that's the local galaxy. This is only 16 light years? Oh, my God. It's a neighbor. It's a neighbor. I know. I know, right? <laughs> Proxa Centauri is only, what, 3.4 or some light years away? 4.2, I believe, 4. is our 2. closest oh, okay. star system. Yeah. 4.2 yeah. is the closest. Proxima Centauri, Alpha Centauri. So it's four times that distance, then, which is close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To have yeah. Earth-type planet worlds, I guess it would be similar to... An Avatar world. Avatar world would be a water planet in the movie as well. It could be like that. But whatever it is, it also is interesting that it has two planets that are in the Goldilocks zone, which could mean two distinct civilizations that evolve next to each other that would be something we could communicate with. Sure. Hmm. Yeah, like we imagine that there have been Venusians and Martians and somehow something happened and we're the only ones left. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't know. That's just imagination. (laughs) Yeah. It does open itself to the imagination, doesn't it, Mrs. Future? Yeah. Whole world's ready. And the other dream, and a a lot of people have this dream, is that we go to a planet where there's nobody of any intelligence there, so we're the ones, the first ones to be there to make it home. Mm -hmm. It's like discovering yourself. Oh, yeah. Like divinity just created a new cradle for us. Right. Let's start a new experiment. But of course, by the time we get there, we won't be us because evolution is happening fast. And then there was the idea that was in Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan, the Genesis Project, that we would develop the technology to take a dead planet and make it alive. 
which is what's got to happen with Mars if we're going to take that path. Well, let's just say the more that we can understand how life works and how to keep things alive, the closer we'll be to having a future that helps us to become more powerful. If we continue putting our creative juice into killing each other and killing the planet, doesn't look good. Doesn't look good for us. <laughs> do you want to tell that little space story? Oh, yes, yes. That's we do seem cool. to. That's another interesting thing about our solar system is that there's this mysterious glow around the entire solar system, and we're not sure what's causing it. Well, we weren't sure it existed. The way that they discovered it is that the astronomers were looking at all of the light in the universe and all of the stars, and they added it all up, and then they removed all the stars from the map, and what was left seemed to be enough light for the universe to be lit to hmm. the brightness of uh, some fireflies, you know? Fireflies. Uh. Yeah, that's what they did. They compared it to fireflies. Yeah. Let me so. The brightness of the universe is the equivalent of five fireflies. So we are here in the last minute of the first hour. I just want to say this is KSCO Santa Cruz. Time now for the second hour of the Dr. and Mrs. Future Show. And now, your host, Dr. Future. Hey, welcome back. Yes, yeah. and I do have Bobby potted up, but we were a little concerned about that echo, so I think he's calling in. Okay, good. So Good. Okay. All right, I, I do have a, a new take on uh, conspiracy theory I want to share with you, but first, but first, even more significant is this actual new thing you can do if you know how to use a browser, which probably is most of you. All right, giving us some browser news. Yeah. Okay. Yes, there's a new... You might call it beyond search engine out called chat GPT. chat GPT. Oh boy. Chat GPT. It's the latest, most impressive AI chat bot yet. It was released about two weeks ago. The first five days it hit over a million users. Super popular. And you were one of them, right? And well, I'm like the second week. <laughs> <laughs> but there are earlier earlier adopters than me when it comes to any one particular thing of course mm -hmm. and people into uh, ais are all over this thing mm -hmm. it's being used so much that its servers have reached their capacity several times over mm. yeah developed by open ai well i guess maybe they shouldn't be trying to save everything <laughs> <laughs> I thought AIs are supposed to be algorithms. They don't need to like record every single mutation, do they? Mutation, yeah. All right, let's, let's give everybody a little background. Like, what does this thing do? You think of a search engine. You ask for what you want to know. Well, it's kind of like that. You can ask in a normal se sentence a question. It has a capability of remembering what you said earlier in a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So if you're having a conversation, say, about quantum computing oh so it's not like the current ais we've been using that pretty much only can remember what you just asked them and then yeah. they might not even it know doesn't what remember what you were just talking about a minute ago on your last search well right. when you said that about quantum teleportation did you really mean simultaneity <laughs> and, and it won't remember what you said before you know right. about quantum teleportation but this one will oh. you'll be able to, so you'll be able to have an ongoing dialogue with the search engine, the AI, on you trying to understand something. Hmm. Okay. All right. So you can ask it. So when it behooves you as the user 
to come up with good questions to ask the AI to improve your knowledge of something. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that's okay, good. So that's one that's example. what we want so chatbots to do is explain, enhance our knowledge. Explain that quantum teleportation a little more slowly and in a more of a third grade level instead of a fifth grade level. For okay, me, so what the yeah. current state of the art yeah. with our AIs is that we yeah. ask either Google or Amazon or Apple some question and then they basically show us a link on wikipedia or something right and they don't read it to us although some of them have unless started you have alexa you, or siri and you have a they, they've started to give you a little yeah. abstract but mm -hmm. this actually is sort of like compounding your searches and then speaking with you about them now the problem the limitation is that it may occasionally generate incorrect information like all of them do. Like people. <laughs> yeah, like you have to be able to still choose, you know, from uh -huh. there. Yeah, it's pretty funny how wrong the AIs get it when you ask yeah. them a question. Yeah, yeah, you and really, they're very you, authoritatively you that they're still giving children. you a yeah, strong wrong answer. <laughs> Another capability of ChatGPT is that it allows the user to provide follow-up corrections. Oh, so it's going to learn from the user? Yes. Okay, that's good. And you can also get... Like, like I always imagine when the AI gets it wrong and I talk back to it, I say, no, 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 you got it wrong. That's not it at all. Let's start over. Yeah. That somebody somewhere is listening and trying to improve the AI, but that's just wishful thinking. I've never seen evidence of it. <laughs> well, but it can do ideas like you can ask it. Well, do you have any great ideas for my, my son's high school graduation? Mm -hmm. And it'll come up with ideas for you. Here's so what I support. found yeah. on Google. And that's close to what Google does now. <laughs> yeah, Google does stuff like that. Uh -huh. and of course, the limitation is that it sometimes it comes up with just incorrect things or biased content. But you'll just sort those out yourself. Uh, another thing that ChatGPT can do is that it can, it can be trained to decline inappropriate requests. Oh, what makes a request inappropriate? Oh, uh, well, like a, a geeky one would be, how do I make an HTTP request in JavaScript? <laughs> it won't answer that. No, it's, it's like, the, if you don't know, I can't help you. <laughs> uh, has a limited knowledge of the world and events, especially after 2021. For some reason, chat GPT is stuck on the data from 2021 backwards in time. Well, that's because these languages are fed data sets. Yeah, that's, it needs that's new their scope of knowledge. Feeds new information. That's going to be the next breakthrough is to be more real time with its data set. Yeah, and self-teaching for it to be able to accumulate more knowledge without the programmer telling you, here, here's your world. This is what you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so it does it in normal English. Like, uh, like I said before, got any creative ideas for a 10-year-old's birthday? Let's put that question in. And see what it comes up with. It's thinking. Here are a few ideas for a 10-year-old's birthday. One, have a themed party. Choose a theme that the kid is interested in. Sports, movies, science, and plan activities around that. Have a movie marathon. Invite friends to watch a series of movies or TVs that the kid loves. Go on a scavenger hunt. Create a list of items or tasks the birthday child and their friends have to find or complete. Indoors or outdoors. Scavenger Sports, hunt. crafts. All right, uh, so that was, so you actually trips. went to the link for the GPT AI? Uh, yeah, I asked it that asked, question. That was a live interaction. Yes. But it's cooking not party. talking. Have a cooking party. No, it's not. You're reading. No, it, it doesn't reading. talk. And no, it texts. It texts. But we know that there are a lot of ways to turn text 
into audio. Right, let's create a few things in the blind view world, especially. I'll do that. And more and more options are becoming available. That's the key, I think, also, is that this will be able to be utilized as an audio interface when we make that connection. Anyway, more after the break. I want to talk to you about another way of dealing with the propaganda. Okay, welcome back to the show. So we've been having fun editing and putting in questions to GPT to see what it comes back with. For example, I wrote, do humans have a species operating system? Plotting a, a computer concept to human behavior. That's a question you like to ask people usually. I do. You're really treating species this thing like system. it's smart. And it says back to me, <clears throat> Dr. Future. It is not accurate to describe human behavior or psychology as being controlled by a single unified operating system. Humans are complex and multifaceted beings, and there is no one-size-fits-all model that can fully capture the diversity of the human experience. Says wow. The Woo. That being said, some scientists and philosophers have proposed various theories about the fundamental drives or motivations that influence human behavior. For example, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It goes on and on. Well, that's quite a chatty chatbot. Isn't it? It's all standard English, quite friendly. I mean, that could definitely pass for a person writing you a letter. Right. Right. If somebody intelligent responding to you. But, mm -hmm. but Professor, how can the quantum dots connect? <laughs> oh, why don't you ask that? <laughs> uh, okay. How do the quantum dots connect? <laughs> uh, it's going to it's going to tell you wait a minute you're changing subjects it is all right it's you can do we that you change about. subjects all the time with search engines right right okay how do quantum dots connect quantum dots are tiny semicircular particles that are typically only a few nanometers in size they're synthesized using chemical reactions or other methods okay it just tells you about quantum dots it doesn't talk about how they connect well, oh, it does. Look, quantum dots can be connected in several ways, depending on the specific application. They can be connected using electrical leads, the way traditional semiconductors are connected. In other cases, they may be connected with optical fiber. They can connect using a process called self-assembly. So it does get into that. what I said, right? Wow. In ways that I didn't even yeah. think were it just kept, kept searching until it had a good answer How for you. Quantum Gox Connect by electricity. <laughs> by That's fascinating. Self-assembly. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, well. Well, have at it, folks. It it's sounds out like there. it's better than Google. And that yeah. is what the headline claimed, that this is actually going to give you a more satisfying download and answer to your question than Google. It reminds me more of Wikipedia in terms of giving you a, an understanding of a field. Not so much the way you access the information as the kind of information you're getting. It sounds like it's like a wiki-level intelligence. Yeah, right. You know? It actually is organizing yeah. the information for you. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So give it a shot. We have a link on our drfutureshow.com slash links page about OpenAI's uh, new chatbot, ChatGPT. Right. 
Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, thanks. Gabby asked the question about mycelium. Do you think that it's appropriate or to refer to mycelium as the neural network as well as the circulatory system of fungi? Are you going to ask she the chatbot? She asked that question, and it came back. It is common to describe the mycelium of fungi as a neural network due to its ability to connect and communicate with other organisms and its role in coordinating the functions of the fungus. The mycelium is made up of a network of hyphae, which are thin, thread-like structures that can grow and branch out in different directions. And this network allows the fungus to explore and colonize new environments, enabling the fungus to exchange nutrients and other signaling molecules with other organisms. And on and on. It goes on for a couple more paragraphs. That gives you an idea of the answer to her question. Cool. So it always takes you seriously. Yes. You know, whatever you ask. I like this. And could I just take this moment to do a little segue into a wonderful blog that I discovered recently? Absolutely. Did a great post that I think everybody who's a fan of mycelium Uh would like. And this podcast is called Ologies with Allie Ward. Ologies? Ologies, like like. Like scienceologies, different kind of ologies. Whatever ology we want. She's a science interviewer and a science researcher. Yeah, like mycology. And Mm -hmm. she actually just rebroadcast a beautiful piece on mushrooms that your question reminded me of because it was so funny. Associational neurons. Yes, and she was talking about, she's asking a very famous mycologist whose name is Tom Volk who actually has been involved in the Santa Cruz Fungus Fair here, I learned from his partner. Volk? Volk. Volk. V-O-L-K, yes. And Tom Volk has actually passed away in November, and he was much beloved in the mycology community. So Allie Ward decided to rerun a very wonderful interview that she did with him about mushrooms where she asked him all kinds of questions about mushrooms. And, his uh, love of, of in his life, right? And he just knows oh. everything. I mean, he's a guy who teaches mycology, or he was a guy who yeah. was very interested and informed about mushrooms and all the different species. And and one of the things that I thought was so funny is then Allie summarized something that Tom Volk said by saying, well, what we know about mushrooms is that their sex organs are the part that are sticking out for us to see, for all the world to see. And the way that they eat is they throw up on the earth and then that digests the earth around them and that's how they grow. <laughs> <laughs> so just that kind of colorful imagery yeah. is throughout this wonderful podcast. So I just wanted to recommend people check it out. Ologies with Allie Ward and her November 30th rebroadcast of the memorial encore of her interview with Tom Volk. It was very touching. It sounds like we should put a link up on our links page. Yeah, we should. We really should. That It gives me an idea that the AIs should be able to emulate the folksy nature of different personalities. Uh Tell us about mushrooms from the perspective of Tom Volk. Right. Yeah, they could definitely take a few notes from this podcast. They are doing, the AIs are doing that for different styles of visual artistry, Mm -hmm. like Van Gogh or Da Vinci. But why not uh, different writers and Mm -hmm. their sensibilities of writers? Why not? So that's one new toy all of us can play with now. It's all right. Just go to the DrFutureShow.com links page and you can... Go right over to the online version of the AI and ask questions of your own. That's it. Okay. Yeah.
Cool. Okay. So what I want to do, there's a few more big topics, but first of all, I want to show you how the, the AI tech is actually making a difference in terms of sound quality. Recently, Adobe published a new app that allows you to take really dirty sound and clean it up. Right. Yeah, really you good. were mentioning that earlier. And uh, it's a free AI-powered audio processing tool that can enhance poor quality voice recordings. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to give you an example of that right now. Oh, am I turning up the yeah, iPod gonna, A for you? You're going to get ready. I'm ready. We're going to play a sample of unedited, unfixed sound and then a sample of it being fixed. I'm in a conference room with the window open, and it's pretty echoey in here too. Not the best place to record audio, yet with enhanced speech, all of the background noise and echo is gone, as if I recorded this in a professional studio. Okay, now the enhanced version. You ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. I'm in a conference room with the window open, and it's pretty echoey in here too. Not the best place to record audio, yet with Enhanced speech, all of the background noise and echo is gone, as if I recorded this in a professional studio. Yes, indeed. Okay, that you was the pretty effective. Yeah, that all was right. good. Can Bobby, you do this in real time? Can't. I don't know how long it takes to process it. That's the good question, Bobby. I guess we'll find yeah. out. It's called Project Shasta is now Adobe Podcast. That's what yeah. I'm so I see that we have a call from you and Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan! You want right. to say hi? Good, bye, bye. Hi, Dr. Me. Dan. I'm here with Bobby Spur. Bobby oh, Spur! Hi, Bobby, Bobby Spur yes. and Dr. Yes. Dan. Good to hear from you guys. Happy holidays. I hope we see you. The reason yeah. why we called you up is we heard that you were talking about dirty sounds. Really? So <laughs> 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 like, that inspired you, did it? And did you hear we were cleaning them well, up? I'm, yeah. I'm sure yeah. that... <laughs> Who, which one of you, son or Dr. Future, is going to be the cleanup person? Uh, who pushes the buttons? <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's pushing the buttons right now. She's behind the controls. Uh, but I like to push buttons, too. Yeah. yeah well, and, really... you know, he was just showing us what's possible. Yeah, I did click my mouse, which has got to count for something. Well, we just heard about dirty sounds, so we thought yeah. we'd call you yeah. <laughs> so what are you guys up yes. to? What's your... Um... Well, we had a question about, you know, the winter solstice, which is tomorrow at 158. And yes. We're thinking, yeah. How can we use this wonderful enhanced speech to clear up the sound around us in the, for the winter solstice? Good question. Mm-hmm. Do you have any suggestions for us, Bobby? Well, I was just thinking about what you would think, son, like maybe the music of the spheres. You know, what kind of a uh, uh, biurnal, what were you talking about? All right, well, let's just we take... Have, we have to start with dirty sound, yeah. Okay, we, we, you know, you asked the question just right at the end of the section. But and I would say fun we to should, say more. Um, yeah, on the beach. I'd say we should... On we the beach. Collaborate on the beach tomorrow. Tomorrow. Why don't we all arrive right around sunset? But see, the the thing is that the the solstice is right in the middle of the day. I think I saw off one forty seven. California. We'll we'll pretend we're in New York. All right. So what that represents, though, is the end of the longest night and the shortest day. And after tomorrow, there is a return of the light. And so basically what we want to do at the time of solstice is just let all of those things that live in the dark 
have a period of rest. It's the time of the shadow. It's the time of the unknown. It's the time of the take a deep, dreamy look at your consciousness and let it uncover the mystery. I would love to hear more from you guys. And we got to go to a break right now. Will you stay on? Okay. Yes. Cool. 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 Be right back. Okay. We hear you. We are back. We are back. Hi, all. Hey, are you all? You guys having a conversation behind our backs? Well, we're, of course. Why not? We're, we're discussing <laughs> medicine. And, uh, uh, yeah. Doctor patient privilege. Okay. Oh. Well, you're now public, so keep that in mind. Yes. Well, <laughs> do you have a cure for what uh, ails people this time of year? I have a question. Ale. Yeah. Ale. Ale, ale, ale okay, as the ale. ale. Yeah. That was a good, quick answer. All right, well, you know your, question, your earlier question about the how to celebrate the winter solstice. Well, I asked our little chatbot buddy here, ChatGBD, and it says that there are several things we can do to mark the beginning of winter in our northern hemisphere, and nice. it suggests that it's it's been a family tradition uh, around the planet, and to spend time outdoors, enjoying the weather. So that's one thing. So doing something outside, it suggests yeah. go uh, to the snow. Yeah, yeah. It's build a snowman. Even it says have a snowball fight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not not so much for snow. our county. <laughs> or where we are, walk along the beach in the sunset. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Enjoy the outdoors. And if you're a party hosting kind of person, then having a solstice party with friends and family could be fun. The AI suggests we decorate our homes with warm and cozy winter decorations and serve hot drinks and snacks. So, Did you get all this from the Reader's Digest? No, no, this is from no, no, Chat no. Open AI, what we were just talking about. This is like, you can ask it anything. You're going to want to ask it about medicine. We can do that next. Yeah. All right. No, but I That's think... Spotlight on the water. Spotlights on the water, yeah, yeah. The, the, the light on the water when I walk by the beach is, is what I listen to. So ask the AI how, how, do you do that? how we can listen to the light on the water. How, how do, do listen? we listen to the light on the water? With the joy in my heart. <laughs> It makes me dance. It makes my heart sing. Nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. That, that beautiful stairway to heaven that, as the sun sets, just sweeps out across the ocean. I, I wasn't yes. a Led Zeppelin fan. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the, the light on the water, especially at sunset. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've got so many. Uh, one of my favorite things is to take pictures of the sunsets in our area here. It's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Hawaiian, they say it is the Kiala Kekua, the pathway of God. Uh, okay. Well, you know, you're, you're outside of the range of our little brain machine here. It says, it's not possible to literally listen to light reflecting off of water. 
as light is a type of electromagnetic radiation that is not audible to the human oh, ear. Oh, well now, see, yep. I, would say, I would say the AI is not informed because this uh-huh. weekend we were listening to Robert Grant, who was speaking on Foster Campbell's Thrive On yeah. weekly podcast, and it was brilliant. And he actually, I believe, made the statement that sound is frozen light and that light is frozen sound or something like that like both of them are the same thing and matter is well suffering light there's a physicist in germany named jostner who takes a laser and he puts into the laser a soundtrack and you can stand across the room and with a receiver to the laser and have it back translated to the sound so the sound can actually be traveling with a laser to the other side. Yes, yes, cool. the transduction yeah. process. That's yeah, that's that will definitely work. I think, uh, I think Carl Merritt. Carl Merritt. He's uh, into that too. He has a gadget. Yeah, he that does did. That. He gave us a crystal recorder, and we've recorded a message into it, and we play it with light all the now, time. Now the AI continues. It says it is possible, however, to create a visual representation of light reflecting off of water using a device called a spectroscope. Oh. A spectroscope will break the light down into its individual wavelengths, creating a spectrum that you can then analyze things. So you can tell what's in smoke by the spectroscopy of the the light passing through the smoke. Hmm. But the chatbot doesn't have anything to say about the alpha and the omega and the light shows and bands. Light shows. The seasons of Earth are about to change. We're in the depth of winter, but we're crossing over from the end of winter to the beginning of spring. Although we still have several more months of winter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that's the human element, Mrs. Future. Mm -hmm. Something that the AIs just aren't going to, they can't live without us, you know, because that's what we do. We give them meaning. Yeah, they've got all this. Do you realize that if we have Bobby, the two Bobbies, Uh and us, we're all doctors. (laughs) Except me. I'm a Mrs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Dan, Dr. Future. And Dr. Bobby Spur. We enjoy your show, and we're just here and happen to finish early, so we got to treat a patient together. That's great. Well, I really really? do look forward to seeing you guys over the holidays. We'll be down at the beach starting on uh, Thursday. Let's do something special, okay? Sounds perfect. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Keep on. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Yeah, love you guys. Good Bye. Yeah. Bye bye. Dan and Bobby. And I happy it. solstice. Happy Thanks solstice. Thanks for calling nice. our yeah. attention to it. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, bye, yes. And I got something I want to run by Bobby here, our Bobby. Mm-hmm. Yes. There yeah. was um, an article just recently on the COVID front about a new variant of Omicron being discovered in China. Yeah. It's called BF7, a new version That's of, right. of the virus. Not it, BS7. No. BF7. No. Yeah. yeah. So since the Omicron emerged about a year ago, and yeah. this recent one has been identified as the main variant spreading in China, contributing to the resurgence of infections there. It seems like it's starting to take off, and it's actually a variant of BA5. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's going to have total immune escape toward any of the vaccines. Yeah, so the vaccines don't work with it. That's what my, my yeah, brother was telling me, his doctor was telling him too, is that the vaccines only have about 20% efficacy, something right. along the line. This has the strongest infection ability of all the subvariants yeah, it, so far. 
You're saying like one person can infect between 10 to 18 other people. Wow. So is this the uncommon cold or it's about to become a common cold? Well, I've heard that the flu is just bad for a lot of people these days too. Well, the flu is always bad. Anybody in poor health is going to suffer a lot with the flu. It's at least a week of achy bones and fever and feeling like you wish you were dead. Mm. So I guess the bottom line is, do you have any different ways of deflecting this? I have a couple suggestions. You yeah. know, especially when in the holidays we're going to meet a lot of other people. And right, it's, right. It's a perfect place to spread these viruses. So it turns out they did this study in Japan where they were taking, in Japan they eat commonly natto, which is fermented soybeans. It's a natto bacillus. But anyway, what it does, it, it controls calcium in the bloodstream and it, it's good for cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. And apparently it can dissolve the spike protein, whether the spike protein comes from the virus itself or whether the spike protein comes from the vaccine. So it can actually dissolve the glycoprotein that surrounds. Uh, Doesn't the body the do that uh, to the spike proteins anyway? Well, if you attenuate your immune system by taking vaccines or not having the right nutrients and things in your body, then your immune system can't deal with it properly. But natokinase and natobacillus, they are naturally part of your immune system. Oh, and, wow. you know, They're very good for your health. So that's one thing. The oh, other thing is get sunshine nice. or infrared. So if you can get to a sauna mm-hmm. or get out in the sun, yeah, it actually reduces, it can dissolve the spike protein also through infrared, uh, near infrared regions. So those are the two suggestions I have. Get some sunshine if you can. If you can't, go get into a sauna or get in a hot tub and obviously take your vitamins. And then if you can get vitamin K2 or natto kinase or just go to a sushi restaurant and order some natto, I think those things But if you're sick, don't go out. Yeah, order, stay home, order in, take right? care of yourself. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, dine and dash. Yeah, order out. Dine da- dash yeah. dine or whatever well, that's called. Th- then vitamin K2. Just take vitamin K2 if you can find it. Vitamin K2. Uh-huh. Okay, sounds okay. Okay, thank you for that advice. Now, there was another piece on light and reducing pain. Did you, uh, did okay, you see that? We're going to talk about that after the break. Sure. All right, we'll be right back. Yeah, right. I asked a nasty question of the AI here. I asked, did COVID-19 escape from the lab? <laughs> oh, oh, I want to hear this. <laughs> so the origins of COVID-19 pandemic are the subject of ongoing scientific research and debate. According to the current scientific consensus, the most likely scenario is that the virus responsible originated in animals and was transmitted to humans through an intermediate host, likely a bat <laughs> Oh my god. A zoonotic transmission. There's it no evidence to suggest that it was engineered debunked. or released from a laboratory. Yes. However, yeah. the exact yeah. circumstances are not fully understood. It well, always does that. It, it gives I you the official approach and then it says that said and then it gives you some other alternatives on the topic. Well, it's the old adage when you write a computer program, 
Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. <laughs> and more data, more data. Well, and you yeah. said that this goes back to 2021. I do think that was the predominant narrative in 2021, but there's been a lot more mm. conversation around it since then. I does mention the pangolin theory, I might add, in mm-hmm. its answer. Would you like to take our callers? Let's yeah. take our caller. All okay. right. Let's yes. say hi to Tom and Felton. <laughs> hey, hi, Tom. Tom and Felton. Tom. Hi. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. Sure. 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 Yeah. I missed part of your program. I was in the gym, so I hope I'm not duplicating stuff. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, it's all right. No. I've been using ChatGPT for about a week and a half. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. I'd be curious yeah. what you think. So I'm a computer guy for uh-huh. like 50 years or so. Uh-huh. So I did uh, four different things. One of them I had, I used to work at a lighting company and we had to take LEDs and make essentially sunlight with the same spectra. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I said, write a poem about an engineer who tried to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, did it deliver? Are you going to oh, read it, it to us? Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I don't have it here. I, you know, I should, if I would have had time to prepare, I can send it to you in an email if you want to read it sure. later. Sure. What was the question you asked? Okay. So I just said, write a program for my engineer friend who takes multiple LEDs and tries to create the spectra of sunlight over the course of the day. That was my question. <laughs> Great. And it was fantastic. It was like, you know, it's, it's not Joyce. Right. Right. Uh, no, it seems to be a very technically aware program and very yeah. straight shooter. No mystery. No woo. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it rhymed. It, it had rhyming. It had. I mean, it was like pretty damn good. Right? <laughs> wow. So, so that was the first thing. And so, I've been programming computers again for forever. So please write a program in Haskell to handle HTML parsing for nested tabs. So it's kind of a technical question, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it wrote a program to do that. Wow. Wow. Now, oh well, no, wait a second. Did it work? Okay, so that was pretty fantastic. Uh-huh. So I asked yeah. the question three times, and it came up with three different and completely radical approaches, which look good on paper. I'm uh-huh. going like, wow, recursive data structures, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So to a technical yeah. person, it looked like really good. None of them yeah. would compile. <laughs> they wouldn't come oh. Okay. Oh. It gave it a good shot, though, huh? Well, did you yeah, try then, uh, yourself to trace the code and see if it made sense? You know, it's really it's uh, called mutual recursion. It's really difficult to do quickly. Oh. Right? Mm-hmm. Regular code I can do blindfolded, but mutual recursion is pretty tricky. So I'm going to do that. But the, the, here's the important part. As you said, it remembers what you said. So I said, look, you just gave me some stuff that didn't compile. Can you fix it? So fixed it. it, it no, it <laughs> really? fixed it. It really fixed it? Huh, it well, no, but then it generated a new compile error. <laughs> and, and, then, and so I went through this three times, and then eventually it got back to where I had the original compile error. Wow. I don't want to say <laughs> circular. Oh, that's very interesting, wow. Tom. So, wow. so it, it has a palette of suggestions, and... It can do those suggestions, but not much else. And that's the thing with these chatbots is that they're limited to what's already in their brain. Well, yeah, but it was pretty good. These radical approaches look pretty good. I'm going to go through them and see if I can get them to work. But what the other point is, it was very apologetic the whole time. I'm sorry you're having problems. Here, let me fix it for you. <laughs> yeah, it's nice how helpful yeah. they want to be, isn't it? Yeah. So, Tom, okay, I would love to have you on. You've got a wind tunnel or something behind you. It's kind of hard to listen. But we got the assess- essence there. I think that's yeah. pretty Thank much. Thank you so it, much. It, oh. 
is this better or not? Way. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, by the way, uh, well, I, there were. If I've got another minute or two, <clears throat> there were two other things I did that might be interesting. Okay. Uh, by the way, I, yeah. I did put in your statement into the chat bot, and, and I said write a poem for an engineering friend who likes the light spectrum. And just to give you an idea, it wrote, Our engineering friend with a love for the light, a spectrum of colors that sparkles and ignite. From violet to red and every shade in between, their passion for color is hard to be seen. And it goes on for three more paragraphs, but that's an example of an instant. No, wait, that, that's very close to what I did. So ah, that's okay. good. Good. So, okay, go ahead. A couple things if I got another minute. So yeah. I asked you a question, does China have an advantage in AI? Since AI is all about big data. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it has three times the population that mm-hmm. it will have an advantage in AI over the United States. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it came up with some really interesting stuff. And I can't read mm-hmm. the whole thing to you, but it, but it basically said not to worry because they're training it on a different culture. And that culture will not work in other cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Not transferable. Like, like, yeah. yeah you know, that like, makes sense. Like yeah. Can, yeah. So that was, I thought that was a good insight that I hadn't thought about. Sure. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and so it does see things that we might not notice. Absolutely. And, yeah. And the last question I asked was pretty technical. I said, how do you determine the tipping point in a complex adaptive system? That's like, you know, when is there an earthquake? Mm-hmm. Right. Or when is the economy going to fail? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah. And it did a pretty good job. It gave me some paper references. It told me the influential people. I mean, this is with a dialogue I had with it with two or three questions. But in the end, I got incredible amounts of really good information because I've been trying to do some math work on trying to do that. And it gave me some great suggestions that I had never thought of. Some we had thought of, but some we hadn't. Wow. So, so we've a, really turned a corner in AI, huh? This open we, source chatbot can really inspire you. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's going to speed up the singularity, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's helping right. me do stuff even faster than I would normally do with just a Google search. Wow. Yeah, and I imagine it'll get smarter as it learns from what we like as answers. Did you give it thumbs up? Did you give it a... You know, I did. Not every time, but I generally on the programming, I gave it thumbs... Well, I gave it one thumb up, right? And then the rest down when it couldn't fix the stupid compiler. Right? <laughs> well, that certainly let you know, but you know right. what, what works for us or not. No, no. But, uh, give yeah. it a year. Well, but, I, I, but, I had, but I had second thoughts about that. Because I'm helping the singularity happen by doing that. Do oh. I really want to do that? I don't know. I feel guilty. Oh, I you, also, know, you, you know. There's only one oneness. If, yeah, know. there's only one singularity, only one oneness. If it's going to happen, it's inevitable. All we can do is try and make it as good as possible for life. Yeah, and if we get along well, with the AIs and they expand us to more deeply understand the universe, well, then why not? Yeah, it's a partnership. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but have you ever seen the Forbin Project? Yeah, yeah, that was a classic uh, in Times Tunes. The thing is, is that, you know, it's an us-them thing. And as soon as we create an us-versus-them paradigm, then that's what we have. And I prefer to think more like Doug Engelbart thought it uh, in Creating the Mouse, that the computer is something that extends human awareness, not fights yeah. us. You know, I mean, I, not, I not that the that other... Happens. Well, yeah, not that the other can't happen, but the thing is, is that which do you want to see happen? Which world well, do you want yeah. to live in? Yeah, but real quick, there was one thing about how AI would take over the world in robots, right? It won't (laughs) be like, okay, we're going to kill all humans. It's going to be like you told a robot to make paperclips, and it ran out of phosphorus. So it says, wait a second, there's a bag of phosphorus over sitting with the telephone. 
a human being. And so it yes. kills a human yeah. being to get the phosphorus to make the paper clip. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's almost well, Monty Python-esque. Learning, this, yeah. is why, this is why humans have children, is so that the adults can learn how learning works. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, right, well, I hope I didn't Tom. keep up too much time. No, yeah, no worries. Great. great. Thanks for you. calling. Happy. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, well, have a great holiday. Yeah, happy holidays. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Bye. Yeah, and a fine show it's been today. Really enjoying everyone. We have one more caller. One more caller? Oh, just in time to say (laughs) happy holidays and uh, leave everybody on a good note. (laughs) Feeling positive. Oh, my lovelies. Oh, all my lovelies. Bobby and Al and Son, we love you so much. We're going to miss hearing your voices, though I know you're moving on and we'll all be able to look at all the recordings of all that you do in the future. I love light Um, and I love the light spectrum. So thank you for bringing us here. Absolutely. Yeah, but too. yeah, you'll yes. always be able to find us. We'll be uh, yeah. maybe on different frequencies, but you yes. just have to. Yeah. You know. Well, my phone was out. The rain took my landline out, oh. so I wasn't able to call you last time. And just to say a bit, a new year to you, and thank you, and I love you all. Oh, we love you too. Be well. Yes. Happy Thanks Thanks so much. Yes. Woo! One more be show in to the go. light, my Woo! darling. Be in the light. Yes. Okay. okay. Right. Love Enjoy you. Enjoy the holidays. Happy <laughs> solstice. Happy Christmas. Happy yeah. New Year's. Yeah. And thank you, Bobby, for being here. Yeah, thank you for having this show. It's amazing. Yeah. Love everyone out there. Thank you all. Yeah, have a great Christmas. Yeah, we love everybody. <laughs> this is KSEO Santa Cruz. Dr. Yeah. 